Welcome to the Rise Up Kings podcast, where you'll hear from the pros who've built business empires without sacrificing their faith, family, or fitness. The host, Skylar Lewis, has built multiple multi-million dollar companies, is an author, speaker, and founder of the three-day Rise Up Kings experience. It's time to rise up to your God-given potential and create a life of liberty, abundance, and impact. To learn more about Rise Up Kings, go to riseupkings.com. Don't forget to subscribe. So I'm excited to have my very good friend and mentor, Jim Franklin, on the show. Jim is an incredible human being. I actually met at a uh, Bible study, a men in the marketplace study over at Mariner's Church. And um, uh, Jim's just an incredible guy. He has uh, five kids, married to an amazing woman, uh, just actually sold his business uh, that he had spent many years building to a, a beast of a business. I mean, a really incredible company that I had aspired to personally to get to, both in the restoration space and as a man of faith, super strong man of faith. And uh, obviously, we, we prayed right before this, and I'm just excited to have just such a strong, uh, a strong man on the show. And uh, welcome to the show, Jim. Thank you, Skyler. Yeah. It's, it's such a pleasure and honor to be here yeah glad. i really like the way this place is set up you got it uh you got it it's happening good you like the black, black i and do the gold? i do it looks good looks yep. good we're talking about the gold accents gold is uh coming in it's kind of brush the, uh, gold not just gold brush gold brush gold okay right. so I hit, I hit it on there good good um so jim what uh man you got all kinds of stories man i'm excited to to kind of see where this flows what um so you, you just you just sold your company yes. how long ago May first, we 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 closed escrow. Okay, um, and um, you know it was a thirty-nine year run. Wow! I went to work for my partner, who is thirty years my senior. I'm six, almost sixty-one. Um, I went to work for him thirty-nine years ago uh, in nineteen eighty-one, and he had six employees. His mom was doing the books, and. Um, yeah, when we sold out, we were right at 300 employees and 14 offices. So feel blessed. It was a great run. And um, now rolling up our sleeves with integrations and things of that nature with the uh, the new management, which is a combination of the organization that we merged and, and primarily sold to, as well as my key uh, team as well, which are taking executive leadership roles in the new company that, uh, um, yeah. So anyways, man, in the exciting. midst of doing that. What, um, so that 39 years yeah. of, of building a company, that yeah. is a, that is a run. I remember when I first got into business, you know, I, I had a business for like a year, then two years and a couple of businesses here and there. And I thought, you know, if I could ever own a business for 10 years, that would be a feat. 39 years is a is an incredible feat. Uh, lots of journeys, ups and downs, yeah, I imagine. Absolutely. Um, some great times and some difficult times. You know? yeah. yeah. What what uh, what are you doing now? So now that you sold the company, um, what are you doing for fun? Or are you working? Or are you playing a little bit? Or You know, I am... Uh, uh, my, my number one focus is still the company now. Okay. Uh, I have a responsibility for assisting in several systems and integrations of the new company. I'll still be there for a little bit of time, obviously not at the level and the intensity that I had in the recent years. So my focus is lessening up. My uh, I call it that I have dotted lines to me now instead of direct report lines and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, the, don't really know exactly what the future has with that, but very pleased now that it's been, what, four months, very pleased with uh, the, the character and the caliber of the personalities that we merged with, you know, what we perceive they were. Uh, I've heard so many horror stories as to, um, who you think you're, you're um, putting a deal with ultimately is different than who they actually become are after the deal. Yeah. But in this case, it's not the it's it's not so. Very pleased with uh, the personalities, the individuals, uh, the the character of the organization. The organization that acquired us is named Blue Sky Restoration out of uh, out of Denver, 
And um, yeah, very pleased with it. Our our team, uh, nearly 100% of the employees that was with me four months ago are, are are still with the firm. Many of the executive leadership that that I had on my core team have been afforded opportunities to not only maintain the roles that they're in, but actually grow and take on uh, grander responsibilities for more of the national footprint, mm-hmm. uh, where, whether it's marketing, risk management, or uh, operations, so um, uh, finances and so forth. So my team is is uh, very stoked about the the situation. Early on, they had a great deal of of um, angst mm-hmm. um, uh, and and sadness and the unknowing. Um, but now that you know, fast forward four months later, much of that has worked through. Um, business is strong. They see that their future. Uh, is very solid and in place with people that they can respect the character and and enjoy the the culture that they built. So um, yeah, things going good. That's cool. Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> right. I think every uh, many people when they get into business, some their end game is right to sell a company. Mm-hmm. So it's very rare that you can have. Uh, it's very rare that people actually end up being able to sell a company. So I think that's uh, that's neat. I'd like to hit on that a couple points on that when we when we go in. But something that was so intriguing. I remember when we first met. Uh, you're you're such a strong believer in Jesus and 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 how you treat your employees. And and it was interesting. So you actually had a chaplain right come into your guys's offices. Uh, yes. Explain explain that. That was that, sure. to me that was mind blowing in today's culture and environment to have a. Yeah. Well, first of all, let, let's let's give a little background of how we got there to begin with. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I was raised in the church, but I can tell you very much so. My my walk in and and my faith was was I'll call it Christian life light l i t e for the first twenty years of let's say a forty year career. Um, uh, I always considered myself a believer, but if you looked at my life in those first twenty years. Um, you wouldn't see any fruit from that faith. Um, just approximately 18, 20 years ago, I found myself in um, uh, a divorce due to my own moral failures and so forth. Um, and without going too deep into it, um, found myself um, at Mariner's Church here in Orange County 18 years ago which quickly led me to a rededication of my, my, my faith. And one of the uh, commitments that I made to myself and, well, and to our Heavenly Father was, may the next 20 years um, not have the same um, poor fruit that the first 20 years had for his kingdom. So... Um, that was not an easy couple years because my moral failure was so overt in my business, um, in, in, in my business that uh, many people were raising their eyebrows and questioning when they saw this um, behavioral change in me. But uh, um, I uh, knew I- it, I got it, and I just stuck with it. And... Um, um, you know, over the time, over the, the months and years that followed, um, uh, my actions proved, I think, you know, and now you blink and 20 years go by and, um, unless you had worked for me for at least 20 years, um, the gym of the past was different than the gym of the last 20 years. That's a great, a great uh, testament to what Jesus can do also and a rededication yes. right somebody that actually recommits because I, I had a similar journey also kind of just walked uh, I don't know casual Christian life and and uh, really was clear that I was kind of actually maybe maybe not maybe but I was making Jesus look bad yeah. like you know by saying I was even a Christian most people didn't even know I was a full Christian like I would talk to some employees and you know I remember having a conversation and they had no clue I was a Christian, so I'm like, okay, I I think I'm doing this wrong, you know, yes. and so I'm not glorifying God in the way that I'm that I'm operating a business. And as I started to change the way I I operated my business, um, and I, I, it's interesting, 
And I'm wondering if this is what kind of happened to you. So I, I realized I wasn't glorifying God with the way I showed up in my business. And so I started to do things differently. One of them was like the way I treated like customers and employees. Like, I'm like, you know what? I want to, I want my employees to walk away feeling like they were treated fairly and well, because I wanted to glorify God also, even though it can't always be perfect, right? Stuff's going to go down and you can't make it pretty always. But my outcome was to, to take care of employees and to take care of customers at like an, an, an exceptional experience kind of way where like, oh, wow, this, this company's different. They're unique. And so I started kind of working on just trying to be the best leader I could be that way and kind of leading the team. Uh, and it totally changed the way my company went. I was even, I mean, we're, we're more profitable than we were, we were now that we kind of run, um, I don't know, like just even the way we take care of our uh, even our community and things. So it's it's interesting. So I'm wondering if that was a situation like your company actually became better as as you started to show up differently. Well, you know, one thing I, that happened in, in um, my heart was is as I tried to, um, with intentionality, change outwardly who Jim Franklin was and how was he perceived – that process afforded my heart, my inner self to be changed as well. And, and um, the Holy Spirit worked in me. Um, I just had to show up and be intentional. Um, and, and you know, we've got to be careful that we, we don't um, take this down, you know, a prosperity gospel type sure. of situation. Oh, yeah. Um I have been blessed in so many ways, finances being one of them, but the finances isn't what I consider the blessing. Mm -hmm. The blessing that I have was afforded to me because I certainly don't deserve it was the opportunity to um, love on my team, love on my team with sincerity, mm -hmm. not out of some uh, manipulative drive trying to get what's best for me, but just caring for him. And, and I want you to know that 20 years ago, it wasn't a natural. I was very, I was much more narcissistic, um, focusing on how do I drive and work hard in order to manifest the best bottom line. What's happened is as I recognized and embraced the stewardship responsibility that I had in my business, I started caring more for the people that work for me. And I realized the weight and the responsibility I had to encourage them to be the best that they could and be the best by behaving in uh, with excellent character, affording the results to be um, what is good for business. So uh, it, it's, it, you know, you look back at it and you think, well, that was so simple. Why didn't I start off that way? Um, but what happens is, is I, at least with me, what happened was when you're so focused of what's good for yourself or what was good for me, um, it telegraphs to your team and to those around you that you're a selfish person. When you, when you with sincerity um, endeavor to help people be their best. It doesn't mean you're perfect. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, you know, I have faults even in, you know, these last 20 years, tons of them, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I have a short temper. I, uh, um, I get myopically focused and can be unkind. I mean, there's a lot of mistakes that I, I make and have made, but my goal is to see what I can do to help others, uh, be the best that they can. And that sincerity telegraphs through, and then people want to work even harder for um, the the goal at hand, whether it's for them or for the organization, simply because they trust you more because you're sincerely mm -hmm. trying to get them to be the best that they can be. Mm -hmm. So it's all sort of connected yeah. together. I don't think I could have got there um, before my rededication to our Heavenly Father, because I did not um, want to behave any other way than, you know, what was best for for Jim. Mm -hmm. Is that making sense? Yeah, no, totally. That was kind of, again, my experience also, like when I, um, you know, the original reason I got into business was I wanted to make money and create freedom. Yeah. You know, that was kind of my, my main reason why I got into business, and I operated from that place. And I... 
and now looking back, I probably manipulated, right? Thinking that I was caring for people, but I was really caring for them as long as they served their purpose, you know? Yes. In, in my company. And so that's kind of hard to say, obviously, for sure. Um, but I know I showed up that way and I had results that, you know, and I'm sure interactions that, that, that showed that also. And so it wasn't until I um, <clears throat> realized that I wanted to start, right? Uh, being different and, and representing representing God better. I have an affirmation that I read almost every day that I'm I'm building superior restoration and rise up kings to glorify God. Like that's my primary intention now with building them as I build them in a way that that actually brings glory to God through the way like my team shows up and the way I show up to to the company. And interestingly enough, right, it starts with how we like it. It starts with how we treat our employees. With, which is right in yes. line with what you said. It yes. starts with how we treat our employees, and then it flows into our customers, flows into the community, and then the end result is the profit. But if we focus on profit, which was my primary motivator initially, uh, that it doesn't play out that way. But if we focus on God and taking care of people, then profit actually ends up working out. And it's no longer... So for me, profit's right. It's fantastic, but it's not the, it's not the primary motivator. It's, hey, how do we... How do we build a team that is fulfilled and actually enjoys coming to work? I think that would glorify God, right? Would be taking care of people properly. And so, I don't know. I'm I'm feeling what you're what you're saying on that 100, percent man. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything more rewarding than that. Like at the end of the day, it's like, cool, I made more money. But if you could say, hey, I I built a team of people that actually enjoyed working there, and they took care of their families, and they provided for their families, and they. Um, Maybe some of them even grew closer to God because of how I showed up. Like that is like to me that that's fulfillment. Building a great company, which I think is what you did, man. You did such an incredible job building a company where people, the people that do work there, they genuinely like working there. Mm, thank you know, you. and they respect you as a leader. And and the conversations I've had with people, they look up to you uh, big time by the way you show up, and they can tell you care about them. Um, yeah, powerful. Well, you know, when you care for your team, when you, with intentionality, um, make that the focus, the bottom line, in many cases, take care of itself. Now, that doesn't mean you have to, you can be you can afford to be blind to the bottom line. You still have to look at gross profits and net operating income. You still have to look at overhead and expenses. You have to Mm -hmm. hold people accountable to KPIs. I mean, these are things that are very granular and necessary in order to build an organization and hold people accountable for performance. I want to pause you right there. So Jim, Jim happens to be a caring person, but, and he's also very intentional. Yes. With numbers and accountability and metrics and details. Like it's probably one of the most strategic and detailed person people i've met when it comes to being an owner a lot of times people take their eyes off the wheel big time and it causes chaos in the business and just stuff goes crazy but jim happens to be able to to still stay still watch the details and watch the numbers and be involved and and he's building a machine right yeah so well so often when when many here you you want to love on your 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 employees you 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 love on them they can wrongly misunderstand that as you don't have to focus on the specifics that are necessary to run a business. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue that the best, there's no better way or a few better ways to love on your team than to absolutely hold them accountable for what is expected from them. I have been accused of many things, but being conflict avoidant is not one of them. Um, I believe that one of our responsibilities is to articulate to a poor performer what they're doing in an inferior fashion quickly, because by sharing that with them, they know what to do better so that they can improve on those numbers. And in doing so, you are providing them a greater chance to succeed. If you are a conflict avoidant and you do not share that with them as soon as reasonably possible, um, you're, you're, um, you're making it difficult for them to advance and to grow. So if you really love your team, the best thing you can do is to communicate their shortcomings quickly and specifically 
so that they can make um, ever so slight modifications in their behaviors to afford them success sooner. It's no different than if you get in a boat and you're going to Catalina. How quickly do you want to make um, um, modifications to your um, navigation so that you get there as fast as possible? You, you want to make those, those adjustments every 15 or 20 seconds in the wheel. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you only adjust that, um, that wheel every 30 minutes, you may still get to Catalina, but it's going to take you a lot longer. So um, how do you use conflict in the business world that is, is quick, precise, um, so that you can make your employees or afford your employers, the, the employees, the ability to um, handle their responsibilities as uh, streamlined as possible. And that has to do with not being afraid of having those conversations with them frequently. Yeah, hundred percent. That was a, <clears throat> I, I used to think I was the, uh, a nice boss by just being nice to people at the company. I was a good owner because I was just nice to people when in reality it was actually hurting them by not having the hard conversations with them. Uh, I would end up having to let them go. Right, so it's kind of a, a weird way to do it, right? So you you see an employee, they're struggling. Uh, you're aware of it; they're making bad decisions, but maybe they have an ego or something. So you don't want to address it because you know it's going to bring up conflict. So you kind of step away and you let them. You kind of just ignore it. Next thing you know, they're really failing in the role, and then you let them go. That's the way a lot of owners and people operate; is they kind of stay away from that conflict. And I think just addressing that. So I learned. I learned probably halfway through my career. Uh, or halfway through the la- this last 10 years at Superior is, hey, you know what? I need to bring up this stuff immediately. Like we have a business development rep right now where I'm every week I'm having hard conversations with him to try to keep him on track because he's, uh, if you're watching this right now, he's, uh, he's, he's having some challenges getting going, you know? And so, but he's, he's not, his behavior, some of his behaviors aren't serving him. So I'm, I'm, I'm course correcting. I call it CCC constant course correction. And I'm constantly just helping him tweak little things so he can be successful. Because I really want him to be successful. I really do care. I think he could do very well at our company. Um, so, but I, th- that's how I show I care is by, is by yeah. having hard conversations. And, and those of us that, that are not conflict avoidant and recognize the importance of that, we do have to balance it. We have to balance it with legitimate affirmations because um, people that have and do work for us cannot always take criticism constantly, even though mm-hmm. if it's accurate. Um, now, you, here again, I, well, I was about ready to say, here again, I, I probably need to listen to my myself more than <laughs> I do. Um, but it's, it's very important that, um, and, and I found it even more so as I grew and I had... Um, quarterly meetings with people that may I may only speak to four times a year mm. that, you know, putting on my um, conflict hat, dealing with legitimate inferior behaviors and helping them to see them even in love may still not be appropriate if I don't have the, um, the I call it chits in the bank, C-H-I-T-S. Um, if I don't have sufficient chits in the bank with them, that affords me um, the license where they can receive criticism uh, constructively. Uh, someone that I see every day, and let's say I had four, 14 offices. So someone I see every day in the Long Beach office, which is where I, 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 I go nearly every day, um, I, can, I can handle candor with them much easier than than the gentleman that let's say is in the northwest that i don't have that personal relationship with um i would like to think i did that well but i don't think i have i think there's still a lot more improvement because the balance of affirmations and constructive suggestions um you know is weighted differently mm-hmm. yeah that is challenging i uh, i remember one, one time i i've, I've I felt like I wasn't giving enough affirmation, so I actually wrote down a list of all of mm. our employees. I tracked it on a spreadsheet and I actually put check boxes next to any time I would get an opportunity to affirm that person because we really do have quality employees, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I want to call I want to call them out on their positive strengths yeah. and, and the things they're doing well. But sometimes I get into the rhythm of just doing right, just kind of taking action and moving, and boom, 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 boom. That I forget to affirm um, our people, and so. 
Um, so on, on a um, on a different kind of moving into a, a, something that intrigued me, the one of the most intriguing things actually about about you, Jim, that uh, when as I got to know you was your just desire to not only just build wealth, but to be kingdom focused, right? Because growing up, I had a lot of um, questions about what it meant to be successful and to be Christian. Like I really did. So I thought, I thought those two things actually collided and they do many times, but I, I, um, my mom was more, um, of the mindset, like, you know, maybe that rich people were greedy or you have to watch out for being rich and being Christian. It's, it's more challenging for, you know, a person to be rich and Christian than it is for them to just, it's better for them to be poor and be a Christian. And so I grew up with kind of that mentality, but I, it didn't sit right with me fully. And so it wasn't until I actually moved out to Orange County that I started meeting more wealthy Christian businessmen, like kingdom builders, people that actually invested in the kingdom and had a solid foundation. And so do you want to talk about that for a minute and, and what your experience is? And, and again, it's not the, the challenge is, right, and I get some flack for this, because my goal with Rise Up Kings is I want to support men on a journey of reaching their full potential. And many times that includes building wealth, right? I want to give them the skill sets to be able to build wealth if they have the strong foundation, which the strong foundation is is being faithful with what God has given you and then putting God first. I feel like those are the t- two key components that I've I've been studying this is if I put God first in the things that I do and I don't have a tight grip on money, right? I can have a loose grip because that's what I one of my core beliefs is as soon as I have too tight of a grip on money uh, or things or material things or my house or my car, God's just going to go shoo, Wipe it away and say, hey, man, I got to humble you. I'm going to come and I want you to come back to me. So I don't know if that's the right belief. That's a belief I have. So mm. I, keep a, I keep a very loose grip on, on the things of this world. And so it, it has served me so far until everything gets taken away. Hopefully it does not. But that has served me so far. I keep a loose grip on it. Um, and so if I put God first and I'm faithful through tithing and through contribution and giving back, I feel like God, if I'm being skillful in my business and being and, and taking care of my financial, um, you know, the, the money that God has given me because it's all His, that He will help to build that kingdom up and build that that the, build wealth. And so, I want to support more men instead of being in a, in a place of maybe poverty or just being. Uh, I feel like strong Christian men can make a very big difference in the world yeah. with with money, and they could do it without money, hundred percent. But with money. I mean, you make a tremendous impact with your giving and your contribution. So, anyway, I said a few things there, but uh, well, in the in the beginning of of your chat, you said that you were raised where your your mother, I think it was, said that it is um, uh, you know a, a bad thing for to be wealthy. You're better off being poor and, and loving Jesus or something of that nature. I don't think wealth is a bad thing, but it is definitely a more difficult thing. Um, the distraction of, you know, between my ears, the amount of time that I think of our, you know, I, I think of our, our Savior and the price that he paid versus me trying to think, uh, you know, tactical things necessary and creative things I, I need to do due to the fact of my quest of enjoying business so much. You know, there's no doubt that it makes, um, it uses a part of that gray matter. And, you know, uh, you know Jesus said himself that uh, it is easier for a camel to get through the, head, the yep. eye of a needle mm-hmm. than, than a rich man to get in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um there is many different parables that show that this is difficulty, but um, how, how do I say those, those parables have a lot of other different factoids intended because whether you're poor or wealthy, none of us on our own efforts can get into heaven without the grace of our, of our heavenly father and the blood of Jesus Christ. So we, we need to make sure we insert that. Um, I do have, um, constant tension um, as to whether I am prudent, whether I have the right mindset, whether I have the right heart, whether I'm generous enough. All those things are tension points in my mind and in my heart. And I would not want it any other way. I, I think if I ever um, got to the point where those weren't tension points, 
whether I had $10 or $100 million, um, it wouldn't be appropriate. The Lord has afforded me skills and resources. He does not need my money because it's not mine to begin with. He does not need more money. He is the creator of this universe. If he felt he needed an extra billion or two to get something done, I have total confidence he'll find it. But the fact that we get to be generous with the um, little nickels and dimes that he's afforded us allows us to play in his sandbox and have excitement and joy helping to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Um, so yes, there is tension I, I have. Uh, am I generous enough? Am I uh, uh, putting my time, my talent, and my treasures to work in the way that he wants me to? I struggle with that constantly, but I struggle with it because I want to struggle with it. Um, mm. I feel I have a responsibility to steward the dollars that have been afforded me uh, or been afforded um, under my tutelage. I, I have that responsibility to search for the ministries that need it, to um, not only give what I can give or what I should give, uh, but but give even more than that. And not only just give it, but be wise in where I give it. Uh, we're told not to cast pearls to swine, and, and, and that metaphor uh, talks about how we share the gospel and how we go deep with with uh, evangelism, but it also talks about resource. It also implies resources as, as well, financial resources and so forth. So, so um, I, I want to do that well, and and, and I got to tell you that there is joy, sincere joy and pleasure in, um, uh, you know, being able to play that little role of. Um, uh, bolstering up some ministries out there so that whether it has to do with ministries that are humanitarian, ministries that have to do with evangelism, ministries that have to do with discipleship, um, there is some great ministries out there that are in financial need, that need support, and um, need the resources that our, our, our Heavenly Father has afforded um, people in, in the marketplace. Um, and it's our responsibility to help. It's our responsibility to listen. It's our responsibility to go deep and to um, be generous, both with our financial resources as well as our time in helping ministries um, learn how best to do the business side of their ministries. So you support ministries not only financially, but you, you, you're supporting them on the the business side, right? So you're teaching them, right, how to operate a, a business, how to operate uh, more efficiently. I would say, yeah, that's a that's a hope. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And 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 <clears throat> eager and willing to do so. Okay. So well said. So that you broke that down, fantastic, uh, in in a, in a fantastic way. So it's because that's right. That's the conversation that I get I get stuck in. I'm having fun. I'm I'm down to I'm, you know I'm totally open to going down this road, but. Uh, you know, you and a couple other key people inspired me, right, to take on wealth building seriously and intentionally where I'm building wealth no longer just to have, like, cool things, right? I, I ha I'm sure I have a nice house, nice car, nice things, but, I mean, that stuff doesn't, that doesn't excite me. You know, what excites me is, hey, dude, I, I would be amazing to go give back, right, a half a million dollars a year two or 200,000 or 300,000 like those that yes. is way more fun for me to go yes. build a business for than I want to get a go spend an extra 20 grand on a car or something like that or I mean that's like that's meaningless to me like now so so you guys were it, it just intrigued me that cool there are there are like wealthy kingdom builders that have a good heart that are committed to Christ and that are building just awesome businesses that um are glorifying God and and they're glorifying God with the way that they um, give their money away too. So just so you know, you you guys made a huge impact and it's impacting mm. a lot of people. And my goal is so to cool. yeah, it's uh, super grateful, just so grateful. My goal is to support more men on that journey that have skill sets 
and they're just they don't know what that looks like. And and I can support them best by right making sure we have the right foundation, right, and making mm-hmm. sure because again the worst thing that could happen is somebody build wealth without God being a um, an, an important part of their life and 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 then without them being faithful. And then all of a sudden, money just completely trapped them. Yeah, and they get caught up in not just building, building wealth to build wealth. Yeah, you know, early on, about fifteen minutes ago or ten minutes ago in our conversation, you made a comment. I also want to uh, challenge you a little bit. On. I'm totally open. So I want to. I want pushback because as I'm refining, right? Because I, I believe in, and I, and I'm going all out teaching and serving and, and guiding at mm-hmm. the best of my ability with proper mentorship. And, so I'm, and you're I'm, doing a great job. Thank you, man. So I'm, I'm so all about having conversations and being tested because, yeah. dude, there's so many different yeah. outlooks and opinions on on these conver- on, on these topics, and th- these are these are tricky topics to navigate. Yeah. There's a lot of nuances to it. So, so you you brought so. up a, a statement. I I'm, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember the exact words, but you said something yeah. about you know you're you're a bit fearful that. If you focus too much on uh, on on what you build, that the Lord would take it all away from you. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I saw your, your facial expression yeah, when I and, said that. Yeah, and, yep. and there's no doubt that someone who is holding on it too tight, um, that could a- absolutely happen. I'm not saying it would or wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But also there's situations that sometimes your wealth uh, diminishes or disappears. And it's not necessarily when that happens. It's not necessarily because quote, the Lord took it away. Sure. You know, we're living in a broken world, a fallen world, and bad things happen. And just because bad things happen, although in all cases the Lord has afforded it, allowed it to happen, to say that it happened because, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a bit of a stretch. Mm-hmm. You know, in 2008, when the financial markets went upside down, there was people that lost everything, Christians that lost everything, and there was Christians who lost a lot. The ones that lost everything were holding on to it too tight. The ones that lost a lot were holding it empty-handed. They both still lost. Mm-hmm. But the key is not to lose everything because our finances is not everything. Mm-hmm. We're all at risk of losing a lot because this is a fallen world. What I don't want to do is if I end up losing a lot is not losing everything because Jesus Christ is my everything. There is other stuff that may accumulate to a lot, but it's not everything. He is everything. So I try to hold on to it loosely. I love business. I enjoy the the quest to do it well with good character and make good choices. But I also know that it's all going to get burned up at the end. And it's, it's, it's all. And so my, my, um, um, my goal is to honor him in everything I do, be generous, be prudent. Um, there's nothing wrong with enjoying those things that money affords us, as long as that's not your driver, that's not what you're striving for, because happiness is not something that will ever stay with us on this side of eternity. Happiness is fleeting, and what that extra bling you buy on that car, or the nicer car, or the better clothes, or that watch, or whatever you know, float your boat today. Three weeks later, it's only going to float your boat half as much. And, and three months later, it's going to be tarnished. I mean, it, it just happens that way. That, that, that fancy watch gets a scratch. The, the band needs to be replaced. The car puts miles on it um, and wears out. And guaranteed next year, they're going to make one even faster and sleeker and prettier. And you'll have the old model. And if you're living for that, you're going to want that new model. And you constantly are, are, are focusing on, um, you know, uh, striving for the golden ring that always gets tarnished. There's only one thing worth, worth striving for that's eternal. And that is to be the hands and feet of Jesus, 
love on everybody with sincerity that you come across. Enjoy this life. Do the best you can. Um, uh, uh, have empathy for those who are having difficulties. You know, get in the trenches with them. Um, cry with them. Um, love on them. Um, but even in doing so, um, I think you can still have joy in your heart throughout it. Yeah, happiness definitely is temp- is uh, is fleeting. And uh, I have uh, a family member that they're on a constant search to fill the happiness void, mm. right? They'll go buy something new or they'll do something that, that they think will make them feel happy. Right. And then it literally goes away like instantly. So, I, yeah, I think the search for happiness is kind of vain. Um, or is in vain, right? It's, yeah. um, I think there's way more to be said, just learning to, to have that internal joy that comes from Jesus, just yeah. knowing. And again, you could, you could be enjoying during pain, right? You really, you really can. Um, what, um, so, so, so faith has always been such a, or, or for the last 20 years, 20 years, would you yes, say? Yes, yes. 18 to 20, 18 yes. to 20, been a critical part. Um, I mean, what, what is your favorite, like, as far as from a contribution standpoint, like, what do you, what do you love doing the most? Hmm. So, what do I love doing the most current tense? Um, you know, I tell you, I'm, I'm probably a pretty boring guy when it comes to day in and day out. I, I don't have these hobbies and these, these things. And quite frankly, COVID even has, um, taken what little, um, distractions we have and it's sort of uh, <laughs> yeah. um, shortened the list as it is and what have you. You know, my, my sale happened during the COVID time. May, of course, was, you know, March 15th, let's call it, is when COVID really hit. And then uh, May 1st, my sale went through. And my daughter said, you know, Dad, how are you going to celebrate? And I go, you know, I think I'm going to go home and have a Diet Coke. I mean, there was, you know, it's very difficult to have, you know, um, play with hobbies and things of that nature. Uh, I'm, I'm having to, to, you know, to, to redesign what that looks like. I have spent so many years in focusing on business and focusing on, um, ministries and, and, and being a, you know, raising, uh, five adult, adult kids now, and then nine grandkids, uh, I've never had time and capacity, or I've chosen, I guess the better word to say, I've chosen not to set time aside for um, hobbies. Um, And that's probably one of my failures. And now that I'm uh, 61, I get to revisit that and say, okay, Jim, is there some hobbies? Is there something that now that you have time, can you afford to um, focus on? And that's a question I'm now trying to answer because I haven't done a very good job on it so far. That's one thing I failed on pretty good. Have you uh, Have you been back on? I mean, kind of a more sobering. But have you been back on a? Um, do you want to share share your story of the uh, your kind of accident that you had and how? Yeah, how yeah. From that, so, so so that slowed me down about uh, ten years ago, maybe eleven years ago. Uh, I was on a uh, at our church uh, an elders retreat that was in the Sierras. And everybody was on ATVs, and and I was a little bit of a, a hot dog on it. I I was behaving as if I was an expert ATV driver, and over the weekend I found out real quickly I was at best an intermediate. <laughs> and I flipped this thing, and I took the handlebars in my chest, and I uh, uh, I had a flailing chest. I, that means you break the ribs in two locations, so they're floating in your in your rib cage area. Um, I collapsed along. I I. Uh, uh, cracked my pelvic bone and, and snapped my both fo- actually snapped off, but it was dangling my right foot. So I now walk around with 55 screws in my body and plates because of that, um, that behavior I had. So, um, yeah, uh, that has definitely slowed me down. I, I used to play a fair amount of golf before then. Um, I just don't enjoy golf anymore. And, um, that was probably my hobby prior to that. Um, you know, so since some of these activities that are physical, um, have been compromised in my last 10 years, I probably haven't done a good job in finding reasonable hobbies that I can replace, whether it's golf or, 
or getting out in the outdoors like I used to. So you just got to um, go be a pilot. Why don't you go fly planes around and? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. no, okay. you know, I. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I was afraid of flying when I was a teenager, so I took pilot lessons. I actually soloed when I was 18. Mm. And wow. um, uh, so I, you know, that's how I hit a fear that I had. So I learned how to fly um, uh, in my, my youth and so forth. But, you know, I checked that off the... Got it. I, I checked that off and said, okay, that's good. So, uh, <laughs> so but, but, you know, I've been so blessed. I've done some great things. Yeah. You know? um, no, you've lived a full life. Lived a full uh, life on yeah. that stuff. And when it yeah. comes to travel... Um, for oh, 10 plus years, I, I was so fortunate to be the, the chairman of the free wheelchair mission and, um, had done many, uh, mission trips around the world, mostly in developing worlds. So I've done a lot of travel, you know, and my wife says, well, well, honey, do you want to, would you enjoy traveling in this and stuff? And it's like, you know, I'm okay if you want to go someplace great, but you know, I don't have this yearning to, um, uh, you know, relatively healthy enough and we could do that and what have you, but I've been blessed to have been traveled so much. I, I just feel totally content. I have nothing on my list right now, except wanting to get back engaged with community, wanting, you know, this idea of being for four months, not being able to worship in church and see people that we know and care for and love and go up and give them a hug. I tell you, um, I am lamenting not being able to do that right now. So, you know, if there's anything that I am amiss that I'd like to fulfill in my life, it is relationship with people that has been put on suspense since this crazy COVID thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I'm lot. probably the only one. You probably don't. Uh, have any yeah, ones. no, for sure. Everybody's in that same spot, man. We all want community. People yeah. are craving community right now. Um, on uh, as we as we close out, I mean, as people, right, as these men are on this journey of uh, reaching kind of for their potential, right, mm-hmm. going all out and really trying to live the life that God has called them to live. Um, what would one or two um, we can call it pits or roadblocks or speed bumps. Like, what are one or two things that maybe you experienced in your life that you would tell them, "Hey, watch out! Watch out for this while you're on your journey mm-hmm. of trying to create success and be be all that you can be." Um, anything mm-hmm. come to mind? One or two, man. I, if you ask me, list you know fifteen of them or something like that. Be that easy. might be easier. <laughs> yeah, because there's so many of the pitfalls. You know, yeah. I can tell you that when I was in my thirties. I had, I, first of all, I started my career very young when I was in my early 20s. So um, I had not had a atypical time that many uh, guys have where they, they go to college because I didn't go to college. You know, I, right after, right after high school, I started working and I did not have that time at, you know, fraternity or any of that stuff. So um, in my 30s, as the business started to get, uh, pretty financially solid and so forth. I had that free time and that's really was the, the demise of me. You know, um, I cracked, I, I believe in all my heart that, uh, some of my behaviors cracked the door for, uh, demonic, um, opportunities and, 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 um, um, uh, spirits to have influence in my life. And, uh, things went hell in a handbasket quick. So too much freedom or too much boredom. Or like be too like, much freedom, too much boredom. Not being in the word. Yeah, yeah. Not um, focusing on what your priorities are. Not having um, uh, godly people around you. Focusing on bifurcating your life. I mean, during this time, I was still going to church every week, every Sunday. I I tell people I was a good Christian at least an hour and a half every week. That's why I went to church. But you wouldn't see my Christian faith in the rest of the six days and and twenty two hours. You just wouldn't see it. So, so. Keep, uh, uh, you know, it says uh, in James 4, he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw closer to God and he'll draw closer to you. In uh, Peter, he talks about the, the devil is like a roaring lion looking to devour. To make no mistake, this is real. And it's as real today. And if there's anything good that comes out of the COVID and seeing the polarization of culture, we as believers have to be able to see evil. Evil is out there now and is more overtly out there, whether you believe on, if you're sitting on the left or sitting on the right. I don't care which side of the political aisle you are because Satan is on both sides of the aisle 
um, trying to, to devour um, our faith um, and trying to devour us. So, so be wise when you end up in a secular setting, seeing behavior going on that is not consistent with your values, run. Don't politely get out of it, run. Um, so often in our, at least in my youth, I did not value, I, I did not give Satan the credit that I should have. And I danced with the edges of sin, dance closer to the cliff. And before you know it, I had fallen off the cliff head over heels. Um, if I had to do it all over again, I would have ran. Now the, the, the men, the secular men that were, were non-believers or believers light that I was hanging around and carousing with, um, was it their fault? No, it was my fault. I'm the one that cracked the door, but, um, so if my advice to, to men that are in their 30s and 40s is don't think you're smart enough or clever enough to enjoy those benefits of what you perceive are benefits hanging around the secular world, carousing and what have you, and thinking you can just resist it and say, no, you can't. You need godly men around you. You need to have people that will speak into you with candor. Um, and not allow you to um, behave in a way that that men of God should be should not be behaving as mm, powerful. No, that's many times we get uh, we walk the line, and we like to. It, it depends on someone's personality, right? It's I think some people are more t- have a tendency to to walk the line more than more often than not, but it's dangerous. And uh, no, it's it's caused a lot of issues in my life for sure when yeah. I've. Uh, decided to uh, think I could resist things or just be around people I shouldn't and you, you can tell you know who you really shouldn't be hanging around with you right. know friends or people or environments and so uh, fantastic advice so Jim dude I, I appreciate you brother more than you know I'm very grateful for uh, the man that you are and how you show up and how you love on people and just your commitment to Jesus and um and to being the best version of yourself and mm-hmm. and to mentoring people. And I thank you for the time that you've spent thank you, uh, Skyler. in my life. So very grateful for you. And thank you for coming on here and getting raw and being open mm-hmm. and sharing some of your stories. And uh, let's go uh, let's go make a difference, man. I'm excited to see where this podcast goes. Yeah. This is neat. This yeah, is neat. For sure. Thanks, Jim. God bless. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in for more episodes which come out every other week. Click the subscribe button to become a part of the Rise Up Kings tribe. And check out the three-day experience at riseupkings.com.